Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, good to see you. So good to be together with you. Welcome to River Glen. River Glen is one church in multiple locations. And so uh, would you join me? And uh, how about we give a warm welcome to uh, everybody over in uh, Pewaukee and uh, everybody joining us online. Yeah, great to have you with us. We're beginning this new series. It's called uh, Better Together. And I'll tell you why we're doing this series is because as a church, we exist not for people just to, just to come here, find Jesus, and get baptized, and then, you know, we're done. No, we want to help every person to grow and transform and uh, live a better life. We want to help every single person continue to grow. So let me ask you a question. Do you have any areas in, in your life where you would like to grow? I wonder if we've got some uh, married folks here, maybe some husbands or wives who would say, yeah, I would like to develop a better, uh, more fulfilling uh, marriage. And I wonder if maybe we have some parents here, some parents who would say, you know, I wonder, you know, what I need to do more of with my, with my kids. And uh, I wonder that as a, as a dad. Maybe we've got some single people here who would say, yeah, I've got some growth areas. I'd like to grow maybe in my, in my work or in my relationships. How about this? Any, any followers of Jesus here? Any uh, Christians here who would say, you know what, I've got this Christian walk figured out. I don't have any growth areas. No, I don't, I don't think any of us would say that. I think we would all say that, that uh, you know, we need to grow in some areas in our life. And so I want to do an exercise with you. And uh, I want you to play along. I want everybody to play along at all of our locations. Think of a season in your life when you experienced some rapid growth. And uh, it doesn't matter when this season was. Maybe you were a child or maybe it was when you are in high school after you graduated from college. Maybe it's after you got married or, or uh, after you became a, 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 a parent. Uh, any season of life, and uh, you don't have to spiritualize this. It can be you grew educationally. Maybe you grew as a parent. You grew in your marriage. You grew as an individual. Right now, think of a season you, where you grew rapidly in your life. All right, you got it? Now, here's my question. What environment were you in when you grew? More specifically, were you in isolation or did it involve other people? I want everybody to, at all our locations to play along, okay? If the, if the season when you grew the most uh, involved you in isolation, if you were in isolation, go ahead and uh, raise your hand, would you? There's probably uh, some of us. All right, if you grew the most and it involved other people in relationships, in community, would you go ahead and raise your hand up, and I want you to keep it up, and I want you to look around the room, okay? All right, you can put your, you can put your hand down. That should be a defining moment for you as, as we look around and see all those hands up, and uh, God really making a point to us that the title of this series, the title of this book really is true, that we're better Together. Not only is that the, the title of this uh, book and uh, this series, the author, uh, Rusty George, is going to be with us in, in three weeks. And if you'd like to pick up a copy of the book, we've got them uh, available for purchase. We've got a few more for, available in the lobby. And if we run out, you can go online and you can buy uh, a copy there. If you read the book, Rusty says that we've got this tendency to get consumed with ourselves in our culture. And so maybe we try a new diet, maybe we go to the gym and work out, maybe we read some self-help books, and that's all, that's all good, but it doesn't satisfy that deep desire that we have to grow and transform and live better lives. I love this line Rusty says in the book, the way to a better me is the power of we. We really are, it's true, isn't it? We really are better 
together. And so the goal in this series is for every one of us to take our next step in connecting with other people. Dr. Randy Pausch also makes this point about how we, about how we grow. In his best-selling book, New York Times best-selling book, is called The Last Lecture. Maybe some of you are familiar with uh, uh, Dr. Randy Pausch. They scheduled Randy to give a hypothetical last lecture at Carnegie Mellon, uh, Mellon University where he served as a professor in 2007. For years, they would ask professors to come in and, and give a hypothetical last lecture to impart their best wisdom to students and colleagues. But for Randy, it wasn't just hypothetical. A month before he was scheduled to give his, his talk, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And he looked great. He felt great. But he had 10 tumors growing in his brain. And they told him that he just had a few months to live. And so he gives this brilliant one-hour lecture and shares the wisdom that he wants his children and everybody else to know. And if you've never seen this lecture, it is mesmerizing. You can go to YouTube and watch it. I think it's got about 19 million views. It's impactful, not just because everything he says is right on, but he said everything with conviction, with an I've-got-nothing-to-lose attitude. Randy put his... uh, his lecture in a book form. And uh, here's just a couple of the, of the brilliant statements that he makes. He says this. He says, the key question to keep asking, am I spending my time on the right things? Because time is all you got. That's wise, isn't it? And then he says, when we're connected to others, we become better people. Just like Rusty says, the way to a better me is the power of we. And we probably all know these things, but maybe it carries more weight when a guy dying of cancer tells you this is really important with an I've got nothing to lose uh, attitude. And I know in my day-to-day life, I need reminding about the importance of connecting with people. Otherwise, I get caught up in other things that can feel more important. Now, did you know that we also have the last lecture of Jesus It wasn't really a lecture, though. It was a prayer that that Jesus gave just moments, just hours before he was arrested and sentenced to die. His closest friends, the disciples, gathered with him. And one of them named John wrote down that prayer and included it in the book that he wrote about Jesus that we call the Gospel of John. It gives us amazing insight into the heart and the mind of Jesus. It reveals what Jesus thinks is most important. It reveals the wisdom that he wants to impart to to us. It it reveals what he felt and what he wants us to feel. Here's what he said. He said, said, my prayer is not for them alone. Now, when he says them, he's talking literally to his disciples, to his followers in the uh, room. He says, I pray for those who will uh, believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Now let that sink in for a moment. Do you realize the significance of those words of of Jesus? Do you know who is on Jesus' mind? In his final moments, you were. He was thinking about you. When he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe 
Here's what he's saying. I'm not just praying for my friends here. I'm not just praying for my followers right here, right now. I'm praying for my future friends. I'm praying for my future followers in the years and centuries to come. When Jesus faced death, he actually prayed for you. We were on his mind. And what does Jesus ask for? What does he pray for? He says, here it is, my last lecture, and here is what is most important, unity. I want you guys to get along. I want you to have oneness. He prays that we will live in complete unity with one another. He prays that we will join together and have the same connectedness that he shares with his, with his Father in heaven. You know, it's interesting to think about what Jesus could have prayed about, but he didn't. I mean, he didn't pray about and pray that we would have the right theological positions. I mean, theology is important. Doctrine is important. But he didn't pray about theology. And it's interesting. He didn't pray about himself. I mean, he's about to be tortured to death. If it were me, I mean, I would have prayed about that. Uh, but that's not, that's not what he did. He, he wasn't thinking about himself. In that moment when Jesus faced the cross, he prayed for our relationships. He prayed for our unity our oneness. Isn't that amazing? Now, why do you think he prayed for unity and oneness and connection? Why did that go to the top of the list? I think because he knew that connection would be one of our greatest joys. And he had this insight that we are better together. Uh, the, the, the power, Jesus knew that the way to a better me is the power of we. But I think he also knew that connection would be one of our greatest challenges. Unity is elusive. A lifetime connection with another person is very difficult to accomplish. I mean, if you just flip through the newspaper or the Internet, here we are 2,000 years after Jesus prayed, and the world that we live in is very divided, very disconnected. We've got racial division, gender division, political division, but it's not just our world out there. Unity is difficult in our day-to-day -day personal relationships. Why is that? Why are we so divided and disconnected. Well, one primary reason is because we have this tendency to make choices in our day-to-day -day relationships that move us further apart. And, and what we actually do is, is, we, is we build walls that keep us from connecting with one another. You ever felt like there's a wall you know, between you and other people? Not a, not a physical wall uh, like this one, but a real wall. An invisible wall in our, in our marriages, in our relationship with our, maybe with our kids or our parents, in our relationships with our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, even people at church. We may not realize it, but we build walls that keep us from connecting. And, uh, you know, maybe the wall, maybe the wall is, is, is built of, of shame. A wall of shame. If the truth were known, there are some things that we've done in the past that we're embarrassed about. We have deep regrets. We, are, uh, we feel terribly scared of being found out. And so what we do is we build a wall to hide behind, and it's lonely behind the wall, but it feels a lot safer than connecting. Or maybe the wall that stands between us could be resentment about what he did or what she said. Somebody hurt us, maybe even betrayed us. And it doesn't matter if they're sorry because we've already determined that we are never, ever going to let ourselves be hurt like that again. And so we build this wall to protect ourselves. Or maybe it's a wall of guilt. We've got some behaviors in our life, uh, life that we know are not right, but we can't stop doing them. 
And we don't want other people to know about these parts of us because then we might have to honestly deal with them. And so we build this wall to mask our true condition. Or it could be that the wall is built of, of, of pride. You know, we tell ourselves, yeah, other people need this connecting stuff, not me. Or maybe it's spiritual pride. And we think, I followed Jesus for a long time. And, you know, I should be helping other people. I shouldn't be asking other people for help. And so we build a wall to protect our carefully constructed image. I mean, there's many reasons we build a, a, a wall. Maybe you've got certain reasons why you have built walls. But we all have this tendency to hide our pain, keep our distance, and think that we're safer behind the wall. But if we're honest... If we're honest, there's something inside each of us that doesn't like the wall. And that's because God made us to need other people. God made us with a void in our life that can only be filled by connection with him and with other people. Even those of us who would consider ourselves introverted. Rusty talks about this in his uh, book. He, uh, he describes himself as an introvert. I'm reading this book with a group of guys and we had a really interesting discussion this past week about the difference between introverts and extroverted and extroverts and, and uh, you know, how that affects our relationship and how it can affect our uh, spiritual lives. And all of us, you know, lean one way or the other toward being an extrovert or uh, introvert. I tend to be, I can relate to Rusty, I tend to be introverted. I can enjoy time alone. But those of us who tend to be introverted, we've we got to be careful because we can get so consumed with ourself that we build a wall and we miss out on connecting and the power of we that makes a better me. That's why Jesus prayed for all of us, extroverts and introverts, to join together in connection with one another because God made all of us to need other people. And so there's something inside all of us that God put there that doesn't like the wall. So how do we stop hiding? How do we tear down the wall? How do we find unity and, and oneness and relationship and connection? Well, I want to introduce you to a word and a practice that is so powerful. It can tear down any wall, any wall between people, any wall between races. It can tear down walls between you and your spouse, you and your kids or parents, between you and your, and your friends, your coworkers. It is such a powerful word. It can change your entire life if you're willing to have the courage to give it a try. So you ready for the word? Here we go. The word is vulnerability. Vulnerability. Several years ago, a research professor by the name of Brene Brown gave a TED Talk that was called The Power of Vulnerability. And it hit such a nerve that over 37 million people logged on and listened to it. Here's what she said. She said, vulnerability is at the core of shame, fear, and our struggle for worthiness. In other words, vulnerability is the obstacle that keeps us from connecting with one another. Now, when I show you her definition of vulnerability, I think you'll understand why it's so difficult for us. Dr. Brown defines vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, and emotional Exposure. In other words, vulnerability means that you open yourself up to attack, which sounds risky and counterintuitive. And, you know, why, would, why in the world would anybody want to do that? It's because vulnerability has incredible power 
when it comes to connecting in relationships. For example, uh, we just celebrated uh, Christmas. And uh, Christmas is a huge people magnet, isn't it? I mean, everybody loves uh, Christmas. I mean, churches pack out for, for Christmas time. Have you ever thought about this? Why is Christmas so popular? You know why? I think it's because when you peel back the layers, think about it. Christmas is all about vulnerability. Christmas reminds us that Jesus came into the world as a baby. And there's nothing more vulnerable than a a baby. A baby has to rely on someone else for everything that it needs. And so the God of the universe, the most powerful being, came into our world to repair his relationship with humanity. But he didn't come in power he came in vulnerability to tear, up, to tear down the wall and draw us to connect with him. And then throughout his life, Jesus moved toward people by practicing vulnerability. He asked for a drink of water to the woman at the well. He served people and washed their dirty feet. He never sinned, but he died on the cross in our place. Vulnerability is what makes Jesus so irresistible. And vulnerability has incredible power in our day-to-day relationships. Imagine something. Imagine if we put a microphone down here and uh, we asked everybody to come up to the microphone and take a turn and tell us uh, one of your greatest accomplishments, one of your greatest achievements. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? We would admire one another. It would, it would impress us, but it wouldn't open our hearts toward one another. It wouldn't cause us to like each other or to connect with each other. Honestly, People might start one-upping, <laughs> and it might even build a wall between us. But what if instead we asked every person to come up to the microphone and tell us one of your fears, one of your weaknesses, maybe even one of your failures or struggles? That would take some risk and courage. But that kind of vulnerability would bring down walls. Hearts would open up. We would support And connect each other. Vulnerability can tear down any wall. But I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, Vulnerability is not easy. It can be very difficult. I I remember several years ago when my wife Marnie and I got into a a fight. We had a fight. And uh, it was was a big one. uh, Especially for for us. And uh, it was one of those where, you know, you sleep on your side of the bed. and, And don't cross the line. Don't look. You know, don't touch. One of those kinds of fights. You ever been there? Fights like that are, are difficult when you have kids because you still, have to, you still have to communicate about the kids and making sure the kids are getting to school and, and getting to practice. And we could talk on the phone about the kids, and, and, and that was fine. But, but when we were alone in a room together, it was like the Great Wall of China between us. And do you, know the, do you want to know the reason for the fight? It was because I was stupid. I I wanted to say we were stupid, but I'm afraid that would build a a wall, so I'm just going to go with I was stupid. Yeah, and the reason it was stupid is because even though the fight was a big one, as Marnie and I reflected on it, we couldn't even remember the reason why we were fighting. It started started out as something really small, and then we just made it this mountain-sized wall, and the reason is because both of us refused to talk about what was really going on inside of us. And then finally, because of getting tired and exhaustion, one of us caved and said, well, here's something else that's going on with me. And I think in a word, we got vulnerable. And guess what? Here's the power of vulnerability. It tore down the wall 
and it brought us closer together. Vulnerability, when you finally get there, it breaks down walls, keeping us apart from one another. It makes unity possible. It makes oneness possible. Vulnerability creates a lifetime connection. That's why Brene Brown goes on to say that a vulnerability is at the core of shame, fear, and our struggle for worthiness. But it is also the birthplace of joy, belonging, and love. And so whatever walls you have built up, maybe even with someone that you regarded as a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a spouse, a family member. I'm telling you, when you take that relational risk, vulnerability can tear down the walls and we can really connect with one another. So let me get as practical as I can about the power, about applying the power of vulnerability. I'm going to challenge everybody here. But I want to begin by just briefly challenging parents. I know we have many parents. I'm a parent of three kids. And this is a growth area for me and maybe for you as as well. And then I'm going to challenge everyone. But parents, vulnerability is saying, I love you first to your kids over and over again. Vulnerability is taking a relational risk on your kids, even when they've hurt you. And there's no guarantee in the future. Vulnerability is determining that you're going to spend time with your kids, uh, no matter how difficult or hard or awkward it might be. Vulnerability means that sometimes you go to your kids and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Vulnerability is a willingness to invest in the relationship and never, ever give up on them. Here's a challenge, parents. Be vulnerable enough To always believe in and believe the best about your kids, no matter how old they are. And whatever walls have built up, vulnerability and courage can break them down. But the main challenge today is is for all of us, not just parents, but for every one of us to take the brave and courageous step of vulnerability. And for some of us, this step of vulnerability is to simply put ourselves in a, in a, in a position to connect with other people. And the primary way that we provide opportunities for people to connect at River Glen is through participating in small groups. Small groups are gatherings of about 5 to 15 people or so that meet together regularly. And what, and what really happens is, is we become friends together and we grow spiritually together and we live on mission for Jesus together and a lot of other things uh, together. Now, joining a group, if I'm being truthful, is a little bit like going on a first date. You know, going on a first date can feel a little scary, awkward, because you don't really know how it's going to go. You don't know if you're going to click. And so walking into a small group for the first time is really an act of vulnerability. But just like a romantic relationship, you got to go on that first date if you're going to have any chance of finding joy and belonging and love. And so if you're not in a group, I want to challenge you right now. Take a step toward connecting by joining in, in, in a group. Make that decision. And this is a great time for you to take this step. We're beginning a new semester in group life in February. We've got GroupLink coming up in, in, in two weeks. GroupLink is an open door event where you can come and find out more about alpha groups and rooted groups that we have uh, available. Alpha is for those of you that are new to groups and have questions and want to explore faith. I've got to tell you, Alpha, for many years, has been one of the most impactful ministries in our church. And uh, it's a great way to not just learn more about the faith, 
but to also get connected in an alpha group. In fact, you can go ahead and, and, and register right now. You can take out your phone. Here's the uh, web address. It's real simple uh, to do. It's also listed. There's a, there's a uh, card in the seat back in front of you. On the red side, it explains more about alpha, and that web address is at the bottom. Now, on the other side, the other group opportunity is called Rooted. And Rooted is new. This is the first time that we're talking about Rooted, but, we've, but we actually began Rooted groups a year ago. We, we, we started them behind the scenes for our staff and elders and leaders. In fact, we, we uh, sat down with some of our leaders and they shared about their Rooted experience. Uh, take a look at the screens. The Rooted experience helped me grow in my faith in a lot of ways. It kind of just reminded me of of what I do and why I do it, and that is for God. And it was just a really good, healthy reminder. I just thought it was a good experience outside of weekly church worship and daily devotionals to actually go deeper um, in my faith. Well, Rooted uh, helped me in a number of ways. Uh, one, I was looking at getting more consistent with my time with God, both um, on a daily basis and then the time that I spent having some material to really dig into. I would say the thing I really liked about our group was our um, variety of people. I mean, from old to young. One thing I really liked about my rooted group was I was the youngest one, and that was really intimidating at first. I was like, oh, all these wise people, like, what am I going to do? But they actually, like, listened to what I had to say and got insight from what I had to say and learned from me just as much as I learned from them, so that, that was really cool. I think what really helped me in my faith was the journaling. Um, I done. Uh, a lot of writing about different aspects of my life in the past, maybe when I was trying to work through some things, but I don't know that I'd ever really journaled on a daily basis. You get to know yourself, you get to know other people, and you get to know more about your faith and where you stand with God, and it's just a really cool experience. You can take it as deep as you are, wherever you are in your faith. If you're on the front end and, and you're just learning the truths, it's there for you. I've been a Christian uh, since my teen years and uh, I still learned a tremendous amount intellectually but uh, the one thing about Rooted that was different is uh, emotionally I was drawn in by Rooted and, and it was more than just head knowledge it was changing my heart. Yeah, many of our leaders have gone through Rooted this past year. My wife and I went through Rooted. It's 10 weeks long. We actually went through it twice. First time we went through with staff members. Second time with some people that we didn't know very well. And I wasn't sure how it would go. And it was awesome. And in fact, I would, I would say this to you. That uh, in all my years as a, as a pastor, this is the best small group experience that, that I've seen, that I've had as a, a Jesus follower. I highly recommend Rooted for everyone who follows uh, Jesus. Now, we've got many uh, rooted groups uh, launching. You can register for uh, Sunday afternoon or, or Tuesday or Wednesday evenings. And uh, pretty much, I think most all of our uh, current life groups are going to be studying rooted this semester. So I would encourage you, go ahead and, and register. Use the, use the uh, address, web address here. It's also on the, on the card on the green side here. Some churches that offer rooted uh, so many people respond, they actually have to start a waiting list. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we get to that point uh, here. I know it would take some courage and vulnerability to sign up. But remember, vulnerability may be at the core of fear 
and shame, but it is also the birthplace of joy and belonging and uh, love. So go ahead and uh, register now. If you've got questions about Alpha or Rooted, stop at the Connect Wall after the service, and we have people there that would love to, love to help you out. Now, those of you that are already in a small group, I want to I challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be vulnerable. Okay, give it a try. Here's a couple challenges for you. How about this one here? At your next meeting, share a prayer request for yourself. Don't just share the the need of your you know your neighbors, cousins, friends, dogs, puppy that's uh, really uh, sick. As much as God cares about your neighbor, neighbors, cousins, friends, uh, dogs, uh, puppy. I think sometimes we give prayer requests like that because it's easier to give prayer requests for other people than it is our, 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 our own. And yeah, it can be scary opening up and sharing something that's real, but if we want to break down these walls, sharing what's really going on in our lives is going to help us get there. And when, you, uh, when those other people around you pray and God comes through, then you can celebrate and it brings you even closer together. Here's another practice. When your group discusses a topic, share something from your own life. Not just observations, abstract observations about the subject, but share something from your own life. Be real about how you struggle with what God challenges you to do. Don't, don't sugarcoat your doubts. Don't worry so much about always having the right answer. Have the courage to be imperfect. Why? Because vulnerability is, is the birthplace of, of, of love and joy and uh, belonging. And if all of us would do that, if every one of us would live lives that are vulnerable and connected, here's the outcome. Not only will we experience the power of we, Jesus said, then the world will know that you, God, sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus says that when we get connected, the whole looking world will see God's love and they're going to know that God loves them. And so our mission when we understand the, the power of unity, we realize that our mission of making more and better followers of Jesus, it really starts here when we move toward one another, when we get connected to one another, when we love one another, when we're vulnerable with one another. That's how the world will know who Jesus is. Fred Craddock was a, a writer who lived in rural Tennessee. And before he passed away, Fred would often tell a story about a special group of friends that had a very special tradition. Whenever somebody new would come into the community, they would always have a carry-in meal. They would make food and, and bring it, and come together for this special meal. But that was not their special tradition. The special tradition came after the meal. After the meal, everybody would join hands in a circle, including the, the new person. And the person on the right would begin. They'd go around the circle. And the person on the right would say to the new person something like, Hi, my name's John. And I work at the gas station on Main Street. And I'm really good at fixing cars. So if you ever have any car trouble, I want you to know you can call me, okay? And then they go to the next person. And the next person might say something like, hi, my name's Teresa. And I love to bake. And people love to eat what I bake. Best of all are my pies. And if you ever need a baking tip or a pie for a special occasion, you just let me know. And then they go to the next person. Hi, my name's Bert. I do law here in town. Now, I hope you don't ever need my services. But if you do, my office is uh, right next door to John's gas station. And they would continue all the way around the circle, each person sharing like that. And it was a special tradition 
that made that group of friends so special. And uh, every time Fred Craddock would tell that story, he would say, and that special community had a name. You know what they call that circle of friends? They call it church. They call it church. Let's be the church. Let's tear down the walls. Let's connect with one another and, and let's be the answer to that prayer that Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for sending Jesus to tear down the wall, separating us from you so that, that we can have a direct personal relationship with you. And thank you, God, for the way Jesus practiced vulnerability and move towards people and move towards us so that, so that we can be courageous and vulnerable in our relationships. God, I pray that you will inspire us to identify and have the courage to take our next step toward connecting with each other because you make us better together. God, help us to, to support each other and connect with each other so that the looking world will know your love. It's in Jesus' name, amen.